0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: welcome 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 to the sport of kings podcast on this pod we discuss the late pick five at aqueduct on saturday december 3rd 2022 this is show number 203 december 2nd 2022 i'm scott carson founder of sport of kings and i'm joined by my co-host hall of fame handicapper chris larmy chris it's the last day of great racing at aqueduct any thoughts yeah kind of
2: like yeah, sort of like the last um, big day of the year. Um, I kinda count opening day at Santa Anita, sort of the kickoff of the new year, even though it's really at the you know, still in, in the current year. But so yeah, this kind of wraps things up. Used to be a pretty good card. And now with the horse population, what it is in New York, it's a little disappointing, but we can make the most of it, I think. There's some there's some interesting races still.
1: We do have four stakes races. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just wish that there were a few more horses in some of them, but hey, it is what it is. This is 2022, and these graded stakes in New York just aren't what they used to be.
1: The Sport of Kings Pod is brought to you by Horse Racing Nation and its first-timer power ratings report which ranks every debut runner in North America, provides an edge because the top-ranked horses outperform both their off odds and their morning line. Get the first-timer power ratings report at pix.horseracingnation.com. Support the Sport of Kings podcast by contributing to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash sport of kings and donate as little as $3 per month. That's patreon.com slash sport of kings. Thank you for your support. And we have a special guest. He's a founding partner in the 10 strike racing syndicate. He finished 12th in the NHC a few years ago. He's Clay Sanders. Clay, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. I'm a big fan of your podcast and thrilled to be on here.
1: Well, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, especially because you are a partner in 10-Strike Racing. Can you tell us what your role is in that uh, syndicate?
0: So uh, Marshall and I kind of split the uh, roles of uh, managing uh, 10-Strike. He deals a little bit more on the claiming side. That's his specialty and actually his love of the game. I deal more on the syndicate side where handling customers and bringing in uh, clients and dealing with some of the trainers that deal with the syndicate type horses. A lot of the times we have different trainers for the horses that are syndicated, which are typically a little bit more higher end horses that we buy at auction or buy privately. And Marshall deals a little bit more with uh, the acquisition of the claiming horses and dealing with, a, there's a, only a smaller group of people that are partnered on the claiming horses. So he kind of deals with the trainers and the partners on the claiming side
1: that's really cool now is is that something you do full-time is that what you do every day
0: no no this is these are part-time jobs for uh, Marshall and I uh, he's a, a professor at Rhodes, as you're aware and I'm in the uh, fixed income business full-time as a risk manager so we do uh we do these jobs on the side um, which are you know does take quite a bit of time which uh, our families and wives will probably uh point out
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's kind of like uh, Chris and I, we we do this on the side, and uh, sometimes it gets a little tight. Absolutely. Um, one other question I have before I turn it over to Chris, and that is what is your handicapping methodology?
0: So I'm kind of a generalist. Um, I use quite a bit. There's probably not one bit of uh, you know things you could purchase, software, uh, speed figures that I've not looked at. Um, I, my kind of, the way I handicap is I like to look at a bunch of different information to synthesize it together. And to me, a lot of racing is about pattern recognition and looking for things that I've seen in the past and kind of, that uh, come together for me. But I like to use everything. A lot of people send me different things and I like to look at it all.
1: All right, great. Chris, do you have any questions for Clay?
2: Well, a couple. First of all, um, any exciting two-year-olds, soon-to-be three-year-olds that you have in in the syndicate that you're looking forward to for next year?
0: You know, that's a great question. As far as the syndicate goes, the one that we're probably um, the most excited about is an Arkansas-bred homebred that Marshall and I have named Third Watch that is training well for Brad Cox, and we're gearing up for Oakland. Um, our two-year-olds overall have been on the slower developing side, so um, some of them are just now getting up to the three and 4 long, four furlong workouts, so probably a little too early to tell. Um, Ten Strike is also a partner in the uh, Bradcox Colts group, so um, we have two uh, horses that are on the Derby Trail there and Giant Mischief and Loggins that we're excited about. And we honestly believe there's probably one or two horses in that group that have yet to debut that are more talented than those two. So we have a lot to look forward to uh, with that group.
2: Yeah. Giants Mischief and Logans have both run some good races already. And if you have some might be better than those two, that, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is exciting.
0: And before we go further though, I want to compliment you, uh, Chris, on your, uh, Big uh, pick five hit on uh, November 19th. Um, It's fun getting on these podcasts and discussing horses and who we like, but I don't think there's enough uh, content that talks about structuring bets. And I think your tweets, I encourage the listeners to go back on November 19th and look at Chris's tweets that talks about his hit and how he structured it. And If you look at the process that Chris went through, I think you can learn a lot there. There's some evergreen material there uh, for people to improve their game.
2: Well, thank you very much. Um, I knew we invited you on here for some reason.. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs>
0: no, but I mean, I, I honestly believe that. I mean, a lot of people will post their hits and not talk about it, but you went through, I mean, you can go back and listen to the podcast and why you like the horses, but what's, I think, more important is how you structured the bet and how you transferred your opinion on, uh, expressed that opinion on your tickets. Because a lot of people, I'll ask them what horses they like and then I'll look at their tickets and they don't look like anything like their opinion. So I think you did a really good job of explaining that. And I think people, that's where you can really learn and become a better horse player.
2: Well, thanks. and And on Twitter, I'm at, Derby one five nine two D E R B Y one five nine two, and Scott on Twitter, you're at Carsoni. Is it did you changed it? Is it now S K? What what is S-O-K? A- A- S what
1: S S O K?
2: Yeah, you you changed it when when Sporter Kings got started up. And then what's your um Twitter handle?
0: I'm C H S A N D E at Twitter.
2: All right. Well, I guess we're ready to get started. Um, <laughs> I, I, that wasn't that wasn't prepared. I I didn't I didn't script that out. That was that was un, um, unprompted. So appreciate the the kind words. And Scott and I really the reason we started this show was to try to help, especially the newer players, you know, uh, get some, you know some ideas about how to find uh, some value. <laughs> Scott's cat's purring in the microphone again I can hear it um you know how to how to find value rather than just pick winners and you know how to like you said uh bet in a way that best reflects your opinion of the race because that's that's what it's all about um so that's really it's when you when I hear you you say that um that's exactly the kind of feedback that encourages you know Scott and I to keep doing the show and keep putting the time in so i appreciate that
0: well as fans of the podcast we're glad you guys do it
1: all right great well uh let's see if we can hit another one at Aqueduct. that 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 big hit was at Aqueduct in, in a sequence that i wasn't that thrilled about but uh but chris was and congratulations on that 14k score the uh the sequence today is filled with stakes races there's four stakes races it starts with the sixth race at Aqueduct, the Demoiselle Stakes, a mile and an eighth on dirt, purse of 250,000 for two-year-old fillies. And we'll start with Clay as our honored guest.
0: So this, uh, this is a race that is uh, really tricky here. Um, you know, you think about this as a grade two race, and you look at the form, and none of these horses are running figures anywhere close to what we would all consider a grade two level. And, you know, you look down and you see, you know, the three is staring at you at that three to five. And we all know David Argonne does a great job of uh, pegging his line. And, you know, Julia Shining uh, is slow on any commercial speed figure, but she's the full sister to Malifaux. So we know she's going to get that. And, you know, she'll definitely uh, relish stretching out to a mile of an eight. But um you know, I I, want, I looked at this race and, you know, wanted to be against her. And the more you look at the other horses, you're just trying to, you know, it made me keep circling back to her. And, you know, you look at the second place horse in the race, uh, improved 15 points in her next race. So maybe, maybe the, all the figures are slow, but, you know, should you really take three to five on a horse that's, you know, really got to improve – uh, you know, she was green last time, but, uh, you know, these are the type of horses will probably, she'll probably win and go on and maybe she really wants to be a router, but playing these three to five shots on, you know, I love betting against these, uh, horses that are full and half the famous horses. So I'm going to try to beat her, uh, might not be very fruitful. Cause she, you know, looks to be long run the best horse in this race, but I think I'm going to try to beat her with a five, uh, the grand motion, Philly affirmative lady, um she's bred to like stretching out you know she hasn't broken her maiden yet but um you know i think she's going to relish the 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 stretch out she's going to be a good price i'm also going to use the two uh, royal spa she looked okay in her debut she should uh she should do okay stretching out and will be some value as well but i'm not thrilled about this race but i'm gonna try to beat the big fancy favorite i'm curious what you guys like
1: affirmative lady is a maiden still but looks like she's gonna relish the distance Chris what are you thinking
2: well i am i am excited about this race for all the reasons that, that clay said because you're gonna have a horse that's two or three to five that just really shouldn't be i mean she may win the race probably the most likely winner but uh, you know, all these horses have a license to improve, and she's really not any faster than any of the others on debut. You know, she looked visually impressive, but definitely the kind I want to bet against. So I do think there's some value to be had, and a lot of people single Julius is Shining, and if you can beat her, then you're you're off to a good start in the pick five. I actually totally agree with the the horses that Clay mentioned. The one I like the most is Affirmative Lady. If you watch her. First couple races, they really just looked like preps. Her first race, she kind of got banged around out of the gate, but she closed really well, galloped out really well. You know, it looked like it was you know, definitely a horse that wants to go longer. Um, in the second start, they didn't go two turns; they went seven furlongs, and I, it was kind of a, a head scratching ride. But maybe it was by instruction. The horse popped the gate broke on top and then got wrangled back by Johnny Velasquez kind of caught some kickback and ended up getting shuffled all the way back to the back of the pack after breaking on top. But again, you know, closed really well. And I'm just thinking, you know, those races were just to get ready for a two turn race. And the fact that they're, aggr- they're aggressively spotting her in a stakes race as a maiden, I think all positive signs, um, and if you look at the numbers, just like on a time form U.S. figures, you know, her last race was faster than Julia Shining's last race. So um, you know, I, I think Affirmative ladies is definitely an uh, interesting play if you get double-digit odds, which maybe you will since she's a maiden in this race. I don't think it means a whole lot with these lightly raced horses, but um, I'm with, with Clay on that one and also Royal Spa. But I'll, I'll let Scott weigh in before I say anything else
1: okay well i'm yeah i i I have the same kind of uh reaction to the odds and the speed figures as you guys but you know knowing that julia shiny is a full to malathot and knowing if you listen to the pod how good she's been to me (laughs) malathot uh it's hard for me to not take her and You know, really what impressed me most was, you know, I looked at the speed figure and the speed figure wasn't much, but if you look at her debut race, she broke from the four hole in a 12 horse field at Keeneland and she was, you know, pretty much, uh, in last place. She was like second to last in that race. And, um, I'm just trying to see, oh yeah, she, she didn't, she didn't get bumped or anything, but But, you know, she just navigated around that field, uh, put away a 12-horse field, and won by almost three lengths. So, you know, I know the speed figure didn't come up that great, but, I mean, this this is the horse. This is the horse that's going to win. So uh, I'm inclined to single her. Um, you are you know, a Malathot
2: fanboy. <laughs> I, I am.
1: I'm a complete Malathot <laughs> fanboy. Uh,
2: Which is exactly why this is such a good betting race, because there's a whole lot of you out there that I, are going to overbet I, this or
1: Well, I, 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 I know, I know, you know, but uh, just, just remember that my the two times I crushed Malathot, she was both she was three to one mm-hmm. both times. So it wasn't like I was Malathot at three to five. In this, in this case. I think I might use Royal Spa and uh, you know, I, I think that I can, I'm I'm skinny enough in, in, in both in the rest of the sequence that I can also use Royal Spa. Now, <clears throat> why would I use Royal Spa? Because she was, she lunged it in her debut. She lunged at the start and then she got slammed from the side. She closed well, she galloped out with a second place horse way ahead. So, so I, I, I will I will use both of those horses, but um, you know I'm I'm thinking that Julia Shawnee is going to win the race, but I allow the Royal Spa could win it, and um, you know I, I I I also liked Affirmative Lady. I I had commented, you know I have some comments about her being on. It was her third start, and she looks like she's going to relish the distance. So I think there's nothing wrong with using them. But I, I would probably just stick with Julia Shining and then Royal Spa. And, you know, Julia Shining, uh, yeah. Let, let, let's see the rest of the sequence. This is why I can get away with it because I have a few prices in the rest of the sequence.
2: Clay, jump on in. Got anything else you want to add? Not really.
0: I mean, I think most players, you're going to make the decision, are you going to single Julia Shining or use others? But if uh, in Scott's case, if she's skinny elsewhere, maybe you can get away with it or at least weight your opinions uh, differently between the the two and three. But uh, that's what I would have to say.
2: Yeah, I definitely say if you, if you do feel like Scott strongly about Julia Shining, you, know, you definitely just want to single her um, because uh, you're going to water down the value quite a bit if you add other horses in with her. So I do yeah. kind of agree the way the way you play it. You got to either just kind of lean on her really heavily, maybe not full single, but really heavy lean on her or try to beat her. Um, but to just split the difference is just not the way to play it for sure.
1: I'm going to see how my ticket plays out, but um, it, it's looking like I have two other singles. So that's why I can probably go too deep in this race.
2: Yeah, it always sort of depends on the rest of the, the sequence. One thing we haven't mentioned I think we need to bring up is the weather. It does look like there's rain in the forecast to start in the morning and pretty much run throughout the card, so there's a good chance it could be a sloppy sealed track, so we want to keep that in mind. It doesn't help us quite as much in this race because they've, they're so lightly raced, most of them haven't been on the sloppy track, but it is worth noting – if you're looking for a bomb in this sequence at the started off the four horse, La Sophia, you know, she debuted on the turf and then she was a galloping winner on in the slop going a mile. And there's a good chance she could see that same sort of conditions in this race. And then her last race, she had some real legitimate excuses. She had just a really bad trip. Um, so you know, her one, she had excuse, you know, the turf race and the and the bad trip and her other race on the slop was a big win. So, you know, that horse is one worth, you know, maybe tossing in at least in underneath in exotics. But if you're going to include some other horses, you know, that horse might be the surprise package, assuming that at the, you know, the weather is wet and then the track is sloppy.
1: Okay, we'll move on to the seventh race. It is the Remsen Stakes, grade two, mile and eighth on dirt. Purses 250000 for two-year-old males. or could, Females could run in this one if they wanted to. Chris, why don't you get us started on this one? Could females run in this race? They could. It's limited to yeah. two-year-olds, yeah. not just two-year-old colts and Okay. All right.
2: Okay. Um, well, this is similar, not quite to the same extent but tuskegee airmen will probably be odds on and just like um you know the julia shining the horse is sort of has won its races but the numbers don't lay over this field by any stretch and if you watch the horse it's not that impressive in in terms of it its maturity i mean it, it just runs in spots it looked like it was completely dead in the water with about a quarter of a mile ago in his last race. And then it sort of kicked it in late, but I'm not sure if it really kicked it in or just the horses in front of it were just bad and tiring. So I kind of just like the last race on this one, I, I'm going to try to beat Tuskegee Airmen. Um, the one I landed on for this one is the seven horse uh, WNL uh, just talked about the weather. That's one of the reasons I like this horse. It just won on a sloppy track. Um, it draws an outside post so it can kind of, it has some, te- you know, positional speed, doesn't need to be on the lead so they can kind of um, make that long backstretch run on the outside out of the kickback um, and still get good position. And given that, you know, it's handled that sloppy surface already. Um, you know, I think that gives it a little bit of an edge uh, and there's really no monster in here. Like I said, I, I don't think Tuskegee Airman is the kind of horse that if it starts putting it together mentally, might run a big race. But I'm willing to bet against it until it does. So um, that's kind of how, how I see it. Um, I'm on the seven horse WNL.
1: WNL, one for one on the wet. Clay, where are you at on this race?
0: So uh, I'm a little less against Tuskegee Airmen as I was Julia Shining. Um, I think Chris is right that last race, it may, he may have just worn the other horses down. It wasn't that visually impressive. Um, I just like John services. You know, he knows how to bring these uh, young horses around. Uh, this horse is a street sense of a Medagliadora mare should improve going longer. And it's maybe more of I didn't really like any of the other ones, but I just thought this was the progressive one. Um, to use, uh, if I backed up, I like uh, Chris's idea on the seven. Uh, the good magic might enjoy a little bit more ground as well, and uh, like the slot. And the six is a half to Mister Buff. Uh, might have some license to improve as well, but I'm going to lean more on the two. All
1: right, um, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to take the chalk again. Although I think he might not be the favorite. I think the the uh, the what, which which horse is it? Arctic arrogance. Arctic arrogance. Uh, you know, just just want a stakes race by four lengths. Uh, has uh, doesn't have a better speed figure, interestingly enough. Um, but uh, I think that horse could go off favorite. I I like Tuskegee Airmen. I I I thought it was weird. You know, I watched that race. The announcer was like, "He's dead in the water." And uh, you know, he's basically uh, half the reason why I, w- I was worried. You know, I thought the, the he was struggling is because the announcer was talking about it the whole time. Um, but, you know, once he sort of straightened out, you know, coming around the turn, once he straightened out and I guess, you know, when he changed leads, he really kicked it in pretty good. And that was his first race going two turns. It was only three weeks after his debut. And he almost ran. Just he, you know, on the speed figures I'm looking at, he didn't quite run as fast as his maiden win. I think it was a good two-turn debut, and uh, I think he can, I think he can improve off of that, and I think he's likely to win this race. So I'm inclined to single, but I do also think Quick to Accuse has a, a really good shot.
2: Yeah, quick to accuse and Arctic arrogance running against each other in a state-bred race, which is why it was a slower figure and probably why Arctic arrogance won't be the favorite. They are coming out of state-bred races, but um, I thought quick to accuse, you know, Arctic arrogance was definitely the best on that day, but Did not gallop out very well and didn't look like a horse that's going to get better with distance, Um, whereas quick to accuse seemed like, you know, maybe the added distance might benefit that one. So I do think it could turn the tables on Arctic Arrogance, although a sloppy track could could really make a difference. And Arctic Arrogance has, you know, did win on debut and on a muddy track. So, you know, the the track condition might um, neutralize some of that um distance limitation for arctic arrogance you know if that horse could get out and and you know clear and it's a speed favoring track it's already shown it can run on an off track you know that that might help it its chances but you know on a fast track i at this distance i'd definitely be going leaning towards quick to accuse to maybe turn the tables in arctic arrogance
1: okay I'm going to take it by Clay's silence that he has nothing else to add.
0: No, I, I think we're on the same page and should move on.
1: Okay, let's move on to the eighth race. It's the Gopher Wand, a grade three mile on the dirt. Purse of 200000 for Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Clay, what do you got?
2: And, and you're going to be first... totally unbiased, right? You're going to be totally unbiased well, on put... this one, Clay? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm going to first point out that
0: 10-Strike does have the 11-tonal vision in here. And I do not think it will be a win candidate on my tickets, but you know the the horse, uh, if you throw out the Dell handicap is you know the last three races have you know really been improving. Um, we really don't have any other spots for this horse that are out of condition, so it's basically a stake horse or go breed. So kind of just taking a shot here, uh, you know, trying to get some black type. We got some black type in the bell. We're handicapped. We were 30 to 1, throw it in there and uh, pick up some uh, black type there. But I think in all seriousness, uh, you know, from a speed figure perspective, it does not look like a win candidate to me. I think when people look at this race overall, you know, we got a full field here compared to some of these others. This is where people are going to try to get either creative or spready. So I will try to do the opposite and not get spready and try to narrow it down. Um, I like the, uh, seven and eight in here. Dr. B, um, this la- the last four races have been really good, uh, for Dr. B, uh, tracks Irad, uh, who will probably attract money, unfortunately, but I just think this horse is improving the, the, out of William's mat. So the extra furlong shouldn't be a problem and just looks like a horse that's in good form. And then the, uh, the eight, uh, is a tonalist, which is a sire that I like to bet, like to own. Uh, should uh, help with the added uh, distance uh, this horse was against last time. Um, got a little bit of a bad trip, uh, but the two back, the 2X the and 3X, uh, the horse is really impressive. Um, I just think this horse uh, is going to improve uh, in this race and be a decent little price.
1: All right. Uh, Dr. B, four for 13 of the distance, and uh, the eight is uh, Betsy Blue uh, by the Sire Tonalist. Chris, what do you got?
2: Well, um, this race, I like quite a bit. Probably my pod play of the week is in this race, and that's the one horse loving the air. And this horse is just um, really, really good on dirt. I mean, its last four races, it's just won really easily on the dirt. And uh, Paco on board he's three for three riding this horse on the dirt. And one of those four recent wins on the dirt was on a sloppy track. So, you know, I just, I like this horse quite a bit. And and from a numbers perspective, it fits. It's just uh, clearly a, a really good, consistent horse. It's, um, and, you know, in really good form and it's 10 to one in the morning line. So if you can get anything close to that price, I think it's the most likely winner of the race. Um, And so anytime I can get the most likely winner, in my opinion, and I can get double digit odds, you know, that's a big play. Now, I'm guessing maybe the price will come down some, but it's still going to be a pretty good price and and it'll be some value, I think. So I'm all about the one horse love in the air.
1: All right. Well, there's love in in these airwaves because I love love in the air as well. She gets a nice inside post. Should sit a chilly trip, I think, right behind the speed. There's a lot of speed in this race, according to Time Forum US. And, uh, you know, it looks like there's going to be a battle for the lead. But this horse has sat second or third a couple of times. Uh, Just, you know, wins all the time. And has plenty of spacing since her last race. That was September 24th. She's three for four on fast dirt. And one for one of the distance. And um, I'm, I'm with you now. I would actually kind of go deep in this race. Um, I would also, you know, I'm only, I'm going deep in, I'm only, this is really the only race I'm going deep in. I would also use Battle Bling, WW Fitzy. I would use Self-Isolation, Bank Sting, and Tonal Vision. <clears throat> um, tonal Vision has... A nice little uh, small top, best race of her life in in her last. And the timing just seems great. I wouldn't get excited about using her just because that outside post. But uh, I think she is a legitimate shot to win the race.
0: I hope you're
2: right. I have a question for you. Um uh, does seem to be a lot of speed um, for a tonal vision. or. Are you just going to let the jock ride however it wants, or do you kind of hope that they they let this horse settle and make a, a one run kind of – do you have any tactical yeah. advice you're going to give?
0: You know, we, we actually haven't discussed the tactics uh, yet for this uh, race, um, but I think you're right. I think you'll try to uh, get position you know, from the outside and try to make one run. Yeah. Um, it's uh, kind of interesting thing, Marshall and I were talking about this horse and how uh, it's a strange angle, but Barbosa, the the bug is really uh, if you look at the races with Barbosa on and off, he seems to kind of be the one where this horse is turned around. I don't know if it's uh, just by chance, but he sure seems to ride this horse well, but he's not on the horse today. but um, you know, I think you're gonna have to make one run, run, I agree. there's gonna be a lot of pace and uh, you know a big field you're gonna have to trip out.
2: Yeah,
1: it's well, interesting luck. that Tonal Vision has won 170,000 this year, which is pretty, pretty good, and has won three of her last four. So, nice claim.
0: Yeah. Well, and Carlos has done really good, shipping some long shots into New York uh, for stakes races. So, I mean, I wouldn't totally, totally shock me if this horse won, but um, you know, definitely going to need to improve.
1: Okay, we'll go to the marquee event. It's the Cigar Mile Handicap, grade one, mile and dirt, purse of 750000 for three-year-olds and up. Chris, what do you have for us?
2: Well, my strongest opinion in this race is to be against Mind Control, who, if you've listened to the pod, you know I, I'm a fan of this horse. He's really gritty, gutty horse, but there's two things that kind of stand out to me on his past performances. One is he does not like a sloppy track. So, you know, if it is a, his last two races on sloppy tracks were really bad, about the only really bad races he's run in the last couple of years. And I think it's going to be a sloppy track tomorrow. Now, if that's wrong and it's fast and ignore that comment. But there's another big negative, and that is, I think it recently it seems like he really needs Lasix to run his best races. If you look at his, you know, races in the last year, uh, Lasix on and off, you know, he wins when he has Lasix, and he doesn't win when he doesn't. Now, that that might be somewhat coincidental, but it's it's been consistent enough now for a long enough period of time where I do think he's one of these horses that does need Lasix to run its best. So. On a sloppy track without Lasix, I'm really against mind control. Now, he won't be the favorite, but he'll probably be a strong second choice, so I think there's some value Mm -hmm. in being against him. Um, I I do think this is the race where the favorite looks pretty strong to me, Zandon. I'll probably lean pretty heavily on him. Uh, Won't bet to win on that horse. There is one potential win candidate for me in this race, and that would be The three wide a Barrio. I'm not a big fan of this horse, but he has talent and he has early speed in a race that kind of lacks it. So especially if it's a sloppy speed favoring track, he could get loose early. And I think this cut back to a mile is going to help him. And, uh, you know, he might be hard to overall overhaul him late. Now at the nine to two morning line, he's not a bet for me. But if they pounded Zandon, and Mind Control, uh, he could float up above that nine to two, and you know start getting at six to one or higher, and I, I might get interested in playing White Barrio as a wire to wire threat. Um, but for me, the big opinion is, you know, play against Mind Control, and lean on Zandon in your pick five, and 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 White is probably the potential win play.
1: Okay, <clears throat> Zandon, uh, only two for eight lifetime, one for seven on fast dirt, but one for one on the wet clay. Where are you at here?
0: So I'm with Chris being against mind control. Uh, I think he laid it out pretty well. I think two other things, two other negatives is not only uh, the the Lasix angle. But this horse looks like he's a miler, you know, four or five at the distance, but he's a two-turn miler, which is a big difference than the uh, one-turn mile. And I think at the end of the day, this is not a grade one animal. I think he's a good horse, blood baloney, but he's not a grade one animal, and every time he steps up against grade one, he gets his uh, head kicked in a little bit. So I'm against him, especially at a short price. Um Zandon, I mean, both Zandon and are the three-year-olds against older, I think both of these horses have been screaming for a cutback. So I think that's both uh, something I like about each of them. I mean, the thing about Zandon is I've been screaming all year to cut this horse back. and was wanting the betting, but I was hoping I could get four or five to one and not evens. Or, you know, I think this horse could be even less because of the, the triple crown attraction to those type of horses. Um, I might using a little defensively, but I'm a little more interested in Whydahbario because I think he'll be a better price. I think he's going to be at least a better pace situation. I think he's either going to be in front, and Zayn is going to be coming from off of it on a sloppy track. You know, maybe he comes up short. Um, so I just think I like Whydahbario a little bit better at the price, and, and tactically has an advantage.
1: Okay, well, um, I actually. I have a long shot in this race <clears throat> and, um, this is, I'm, I'm going to single him and I'm just not going to invest a lot of money into this race. And that is the one double crown. He, uh, he's always been fast. He he was fast as a two year old. He s- seems to be putting it all together. He won his last handily and galloped out huge has okay spacing into this race He's about as fast as Zandon, and he'll be a much better price. I, I'm also against mind control, so um, and and I just it's kind of hard to get behind Zandon. I mean, I, I picked him in the Derby and he ran well. He ran third, and that was that was that was good. But I'm kind of off the Zandon train by now. He he should have progressed and he hasn't. <clears throat> he could win this, but um, I I'll be happy if I have a live ticket. To double crown in this race,
2: um, yeah, I mean, that'd be juicy. That would be juicy. It's not impossible. Um, i would be a little bit of a surprise. I'm not sure what price you're going to end up in with this small field, but if they, if they really pound Zandon, and and mind control, you know, you could get the fifteen to one. One thing we haven't mentioned most people may, may already know oh Besos the five horse because of the quarantine you. from Churchill he's a scratch so um none of us have mentioned him but he's not in the race so it's only a six horse field so you know that's gonna kind of suppress the prices a bit even if they do bet on zandon heavily you know I just will in, in zandon's defense a couple things um not that he needs defending he's going to be the favorite but um you know, I do think he's always, even Chad Brown's always been pretty honest about his, he was a little skeptical on whether he'd be a mile and a quarter horse. And I think he was right about that. Um, but, you know, you're just kind of on that, you, you got to kind of stay on that trail once you're, you're a contender. So, you know, the fact that he ran a solid third behind Epicenter in the Derby and the Travers, I don't think any disgrace at all. And then his other two were seconds to Epicenter and Taba, so I mean you can say he hasn't been winning, but compared to the horses in this field, you know he's, you know he would have. You take Epicenter and Taba out, and he would have won a lot of races. So, um, and, and he was probably yeah. There's really no not doubt he's the best horse in the race. At, yeah, by far. Now the off track could be a wild card, right? Because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of speed. And, um, you know, the track can end up being real speed favoring. That's why I, I agree totally with clay that Wide Barrio has got a tactical edge there. Um, but I just think Zanda is a notch or two better than Wide Barrio. And it's not like he's a total plotter either. He, you know, he like in, in that Jim Danny stakes, you know, he was sitting second. Um, so and, I, you know, and I'm I, guessing I think,
0: Chad's probably going to be more aggressive sending this horse, you know, being a shorter it, race and shorter
1: field. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. And knowing there's not a lot of pace, I, I would be shocked if they let him drop way back. Now he may not like the sloppy track or kickback and he get and he drops back. But my guess is, you know, that they'll try to keep him forwardly placed. So and I think he's kind of the most likely winner on the card myself more so than those two-year-olds that we talked about earlier but but uh, he's going to get bet so i'm not saying uh he's a, a great bet but uh, i think i'm I'm a little more confident in his likelihood of winning i think than the two of you are that's all but i do kind of agree from a betting to win standpoint anyway White barrio might be the play although you know there's a lot of sharp players that bet a lot, and they might all see the same thing we're talking about that this horse could clear, and it might be a speed favoring sloppy track, so he may end up sure. getting bet. who knows he might get bet down below that nine to two morning line they might all everybody might be against mind control um so we'll have to wait and see how they bet but David Oregona, you know he's got the best morning line out there, so hopefully he's right in in the way he's laid it out.
1: Yeah, uh, all I'll say is the, the more I look at Double Crown, the more I like. <laughs> he's uh, it's you not know,
0: impossible.
1: He's he, you know, his his speed figures don't look as good on Byer, but um, they look they look pretty close, you know, pretty close to Zandon, and um, you know, he's got a win on the wet. He's got a second on the wet. He's two for three. Oh, he's three for three in the exacta at the distance. You know, I don't think he's distance challenged. He's got good spacing into this race. I don't know. I, you know, th- this, this could be, this could be, um, the most interesting horse on the card for me. Um, but well, he got a <clears> 90,
2: 96 buyer in his last. So even on the buyers, he's not that <clears> far off.
1: Yeah. And you know, and I, and, and I'm not a huge <laughs> racing com follower, but, um, he chased a CFR of one in that race. So, um, closer favorability rating of one, meaning that the speed was highly, highly, uh, favorable based on the algorithm that they use. And he was fifth in that race. So, you know, fifth from, from the start. So, uh, you know, he's, he's got some things going for him and, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know who this trainer is, Norman Cash, but i do remember that he used to not be that good and now he's a lot better so i don't know what he's doing doing now but whatever he's doing it's working
2: well he just he runs his horses every week or two that's what he does he hasn't been training for very long but he's had some success this year he's had some horses that won a, won a lot of races and this is an example of it so you know he's he's done pretty good but he he's sort of the antithesis of the modern day trainer he's a kind of throwback in that he he runs them. He doesn't spend a lot of time working them out. He just runs them anytime there's a race for them, as long as they're healthy.
1: Yeah, and he runs them all over. I mean, this one, Churchill, Laurel, Colonial, Presque Isle, Pimlico, Laurel, Aqueduct.
0: Well, that's the advantage of being an owner-trainer. You don't have to worry about an owner calling him up uh, when they run back fast and don't run well. So <laughs> it's a lot easier.
2: You've had to do that before, you're telling me? that?
0: Uh... Uh, oh, Absolutely. <laughs> We're not afraid right. to tell uh, trainers what we think.
1: <laughs> All right, well um, <clears throat> so uh, that's the end of our stakes races, but we do have one more race on the card. It is the 10th. It's a seven furlong starter allowance person 55000 for three-year-olds and up. Clay, you got any ideas on this one?
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting little race. Um, there's several I like hear. I'll I'll talk about two and then turn it over to you guys, but uh i like this seven skylander um this is a horse uh that mott had and uh, the dam is the uh, dubawi out of a dubawi uh so you know it looked like turf but uh so mott was running this horse on the turf but they've moved this horse over to dirt and two back ran a race that's fast enough to win the, this race today and then the last race comes back in in the starter and, you know, kind of had some trouble, was against the, the track. It looked uncomfortably in inside. And I, I think this horse will run a lot better being a little bit more outside uh, drawn and uh, should improve and, you know, at a decent little price. And the other horse I like is the nine. Ran in the starter last time. Ran pretty well, was wide. And I think he's getting a pretty big rider upgrade uh, going to Lascano. And I just think this horse being outside going to be able to kick back and uh, should improve at a good price. Oh, okay. Just curious what you guys like?
1: That nine is Gaslight for the record. Chris, what do you got?
2: Uh, yeah, I I'm on Gaslight. Um, this horse, you know, on the start of his career was really promising in the Brad Cox barn. Had some kind of major injury mm-hmm. because they brought it back after a year and dropped it down. Pretty much gave it away. But in that race was on a sloppy track and won. So, again, assuming that we're going to have a sloppy track tomorrow, that win over that last time it, it won was on a sloppy track. Uh, it, it got claimed out of that race. Didn't do a whole lot of running since the claim until they gave it a break which a lot of the times these Alchie horses really need those breaks and they, they do their best running first or second off a layoff. And, and you know, this horse's comeback effort off the break was pretty good. So I think second off a layoff, may catch another sloppy track. It's a huge, huge rider upgrade from Harkey to Lescano. And so I think that last one was clearly a prep given the rider, you know, on the layoff. And now they put a better rider on, second off a layoff. May catch, you know, conditions that it likes. And like Clay said, drew the outside. So has, you know, can kind of make that big run down the backside out of the kickback, which could be a big deal um, depending on how the track's playing tomorrow. So, you know, at that 10 to 1 morning line, um, I like Gaslight quite a bit, the 9.
1: I also like Gaslight and I'm going to use him, but I'm only going to use one other horse. And that's my top pick. That is the five. I think it's the five. Teneb. uh, maybe it's the Four. The four. Tene- the four. T- four. Tenebris. four. Tenebris, however you pronounce that, uh, has competitive speed figures, has positional speed and a notably best workout coming into this race. Um, uh, has a little bit of s- spacing since this last race. So he's, Basically the fastest horse in the race. And he's got a notably best workout coming into this race. And he gets in light with a bug rider at nine to two. I would love to see this horse win.
0: I'm glad you switched from the five to the four. Cause on my sheet I had, I think uh, Scott's going to pick this horse based on the form and the workout. So I had that right. And I, I do like this four. and i Who like the four? It's the Royal Tristan as well. Yeah. Tenebra or however you say it, but I, I knew you were going to pick this horse. <laughs> I've, to the I've been found out. You would pick it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, well. Uh... And I like the pick. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think it's you. It's the most likely winner of the race. I'm just not sure about that nine to two morning line. Um, but if you, you know, I I think you got to use it in the pick five. It probably won't be the favorite, but it might be. Um, but yeah I mean it's solid the change in barns is a little bit of a question mark but it's not like it was coming out of a, a super hot barn um, but the fact it did change barns is a little bit interesting but like you said it has a good workout it's never run a bad race in its life so not sure why it would in here um, so I absolutely agree with you that it's when you got to include I'm just not so sure about the price on that one it just seems too obvious to me a horse that's never been off the board coming off two straight wins you know I, I, it's kind of hard to believe that horse isn't going to get bet some yeah yeah, I, yeah but don't I, you, don't you wonder about, about the
0: monmouth don't you worry about coming from monmouth and the speed figures are a little light compared to the three you know to run in the 80s and this one's in the 70s i don't think this horse is going to be as bad as much as you do but
2: i could be wrong well, I hope you're right. If if the, if the was the horse, I think's the most likely winner. Um, it's just the price is the only question for me. But I, I'm I agree with Scott. There's a lot to like about the horse for sure. Well, um, uh,
1: so we, we, oh, you have more opinions on this race?
2: Yeah, I got a couple more, but I was going to wait to make sure you, either one of you had anything else that you wanted to add. No. Nope.
0: The only one um, do, I kind of mentioned was the Six Royal Trist. I just think that horse is uh, just kind of fits in here. Uh, I don't have any special angle, but I just think this horse fits. And the one I would use in a race that I think you can get a little lighter on than uh, some of those other races.
2: Yeah, the one I like, um, and another one at a price, is the eight-horse Semper Fidelis. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I'm not a Marine, so that's not why I'm picking this horse. Um, it's uh, it's always another one of these that, you know, showed talent. It's kind of ouchy had a long layoff, had a prep, um, now goes second off a layoff, could run a big race, you know, has Paco in the irons, um, draws the outside post again, can kind of maybe stay out of the kickback. So, you know, 15 to one on the morning line. I think it might be the longest shot on the board on the morning line. I think it has, you know, a license to improve quite a bit in here. So, you know, that's another one that um, I'm kind of interested in at a big price, the eight Semper Fidelis.
1: Yeah, I struggled with that horse for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> decided that I I didn't the The trainer is he's only got one win at Aqueduct, but he is a scary trainer like at Parks, and he does hit at thirty one percent with Paco. So reason reason to be fearful, maybe and include. Um, so this is actually a really interesting race as far as uh, uh, vulnerable favorites, if we have any. Um, there are some clear favorites. So uh, who do you think is the most vulnerable of these favorites, Chris?
2: Me first. Um, Well, of the heavy favorites, which I would say are Zandon and Tuskegee Airmen and Julia Shining, of those three, to me, the one I'm most anxious to play against would be Julia Shining. Mostly because she's going to get massively overbet. Um, But, you know, for all the other reasons we talked about, I would rank her as the most vulnerable, then Tuskegee Airmen second. And then of the three, I think Zandon's the most likely to win um, of those three. That's how I'd rank them.
1: Okay. Um, Clay, do you you have an opinion on vulnerability of favorites?
2: Well, I went
0: against Julia Shining, but since uh, Chris chose that one, I'm gonna go with uh, Battle Bling and the uh, Gopher Wand. Uh, I really don't like her. I know she's coming in off the winning streak, but I don't like her at the distance cutting back. Um, so I'm against Battle Bling and the uh, Gopher Wand.
1: <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> um I'm not going to I'm not gonna say that any of these horses is that vulnerable. I yeah, you know, I'd say that I'd say the three is the most vulnerable. Uh, sorry, Julia Shining is the most vulnerable favorite of these favorites. Uh, however, I'm still gonna bet her. I just You know, I, <laughs> I, you know,
2: she's a, a full sister to Malathon. I'm gonna bet her. If she's one to twenty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I, I I do think she is the most vulnerable based on speed figures. Uh, however, um, you know I. Yeah, I'm. I'm also. I like Tuskegee Airmen. So, and 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 I think Xandun has a legitimate shot. I mean, you know, he's he's not a horse I'm like rushing to bet against. So I'm not going to bet much in this pick five. I mean, I, just scratching, you know, scratching it out. I think my my bet is like twelve bucks, and I get to go too deep in the first leg.
2: Yeah, you know, when we talk about vulnerable favorites, just kind of in a general discussion. In A grade one with, you know, three-year-old and older horses in December on the dirt. Those are races where you pretty much know what you've got, right? There's not a lot of underexposed horses. So I'm always less inclined to try to beat a favorite in that kind of race than I am in a race with two-year-olds where most of them have only run once or twice. And, um, you know, any one of them may jump up. Big in their next start, and the favorite doesn't really have an advantage going in either. So I mean, just in general, just not talking specifics about the two-year-old races we had. You know, the the horses we had. In general, I'm more likely to try to beat a heavy favorite in a two-year-old race than I am in a, you know, a, than a and in a Grade One race for older horses or three-year-olds and a and older at the end of the year. That that's just because you just have a lot more information, a lot less um, you know, variance in performance for those um, kind of established horses than you do for the ones that you just really don't know what you have yet. So that just kind of general. That's the way I would play it. You know, in this case we have some specific examples, but you know, even if, um, if the horses were a little bit different, I'm that be my inclination, in you know most of the time. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but
0: well, no, I I agree
2: 100
1: with that, I agree. And then yeah, if we don't have any turf, term- oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I uh, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's, I uh, yeah, I mean, it it sounds like a nice theory, um, uh, and and uh, it's probably appropriate. Uh, however, you know, it's it's each it's each race on its own, right? I mean, it it. Because sometimes there's going to be a horse, for example, that's coming off a huge sprint win, win that's stretching out like two furlongs. It doesn't really matter whether, um, and, and going two turns it doesn't really matter to me whether that's a two-year-old race, three-year-old race or four-year-old race. I'm, I'm likely to go against it. But, um, you know, I think for example, if mind control was the favorite and the ninth, you know, that'd be the kind of horse that I'd, I'd be anxious to bet against. Um, I just, I, you know can't say that he's a vulnerable favorite because he's not going to be the favorite.
2: Yeah. And, and the other thing is um, the turf versus dirt there. Um, we don't have any turf race anymore in New York. So it, that, that doesn't come into play in this sequence, but in you know, a lot of pick fives, it does. And turf races in general tend to have higher variance. So again, it's a lot more trip dependent. Typically like a graded stakes on the turf versus the dirt usually um favorites just kind of in general are a little more vulnerable on the turf because they're more vulnerable to having a bad trip or a very heavily pace affected race where in the dirt you know typically you have more you know less weird slow paced kinds of races and the trips don't typically tend to be as big a deal as they're on the turf so again in general I'm more inclined to try to beat a favorite on the turf than on the dirt. So, you know, for me kind of in, the, and that's just like Scott said, you got to evaluate every race and in, depend individually, but in general, I'm going to be looking to try to beat a favorite in a young, for if it's a young horse, especially if it's a young horse on the turf um, versus an older established horse on the dirt. Um, that's just kind of the way I would, my, you know, the, the bias would be at a, at a, in a general level. And the other thing is just in the class of the horses, you know, the better class horses typically are more consistent as well. So, you know, a chief claimer is probably less reliable as a favorite. Um, uh, again, it depends. There's always, um, circumstances that could be different, but, you know, just kind of those, those, keep those kind of general thoughts in mind when you're looking at the races in a sequence you know where are you going to try to spread and where are you going to try to um lean on a horse or beat a favorite you know that those are things that are worth keeping in mind
1: okay before we wrap it up any spot plays elsewhere on the card it's in December, so
2: Yeah, it's Aqueduct in December. Um, I didn't have anything.
1: Yeah, I didn't look at anything. So, on that note, I would like to thank our guests, Clay Sanders. Clay, thanks for joining us, and good luck with tonal vision in the uh, in the uh, Gopher Wand.
0: Thanks, guys. Good luck to all the players.
1: All right, that will conclude show number 203 of the Sport of Kings pod good luck at aqueduct and wherever else you play and please enjoy the brooklyn boogaloo blowout i'll see you on board cheers giddy up.